This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, where we help take your leadership to the next level. And today on the podcast, we've got a great conversation uh, with Chad Hood. He lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, with his wife, Heather, and there are five sons. For over 20 years, he has served in pastoral ministries and is now the executive director of the Trellis Group, which is a nonprofit that focuses on discipleship and coaching. His passion for discipleship has opened doors to work with pastors, business leaders, college students, young men and women training for ministry. He has traveled to more than 14 countries teaching and sharing what it means to be a disciple in our world today. And this is a great conversation, as you might expect, about a topic that I think is severely um, underserved in our churches today. Um, many Many believers uh, don't fully understand what it means to be a disciple, and so Richard and Chad dig into what that means and uh, how some of his material uh, can perhaps help you uh, become a better disciple and, and more fully understand what that means. He has a book and workbook called Go Disciple. They also mention in the podcast today a book that he, that Chad edited uh, called 40 Days of Surrender, taking some writings from Andrew Murray. And uh, as always, we'll leave links to his books in the show notes and uh, also to his website, godisciple.org. And with that, I'll turn it over to Richard. Well, once again, we are privileged to have a very special guest with us uh, today at our podcast is Chad Hood. And Chad and I uh, first met a number of years ago because uh, he was tasked with trying to uh, disciple my oldest son, Mike. <laughs> Mike moved to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina uh, to go to seminary and uh, joined the church that where Chad was uh, on staff. And part of his responsibility was working with the single adults. And uh, it was really a godsend for Mike. And Chad, I think you know the story you were told at the time, but uh, Mike first got there, and he had been a very active uh, church member in Canada where he'd grown up. And he moved down there, didn't know, any, didn't know a soul in that whole area, uh, went to, you know, checked out some churches, and I don't mean to badmouth other churches there, but people just didn't know what to do with him. Uh, he, he kept visiting and being completely ignored uh, in a couple of, of places that prided themselves in their friendliness. And, uh, and we were, as parents, really grieving about that. Here our son is at, at seminary, and he's, he goes to you know, Wednesday night, single adult events. He goes to church on Sundays, and uh, he just was not connecting anywhere. And we really prayed and actually just asked some friends of ours who knew churches in the area, and uh, we were really advised to send them to your church. And so we did, and you guys were great and embraced him, and he had just a great experience at your church. And uh, one of the things he did, though, that impressed me at the time was— uh, that he that he you took him in to a very uh, intensive discipleship uh, program, yeah. and that was very formative for him, uh, just what he needed. And so my first encounter with you was just you discipling my oldest son and uh, trying to fill in all the holes that we left trying to parent him in the first place. <laughs> and so Chad, That's it's, right. It's great. Uh, it's great to be people. with you today. Thanks for joining us. 
Well, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Yep. And Mike, I love Mike. Um, I've never been one big on fitting in. So that's never been a big problem. So we kind of had this really similar spirit. And so um, immediately, I mean, we just had a great relationship from the get go. And so, you know, in, in my whole life's been about discipleship and ministry. That's been a main focus. And it's not something I chose. I think God just opened my heart to it. And I saw the need for it. And yeah. I saw how little there was of that going on. And mm. so that's kind of what led me into that. And Mike just kind of slid right in there. And I said, <laughs> hey, man, let's go deeper. And he was there, man, ready to go. Yeah. And uh, and we'll get into that because, uh, well, maybe just talk about it for a moment. Because, you know, I, I think most of our listeners would say, well, my church has discipleship. We, we offer a Sunday school on Sunday mornings or we have a weekly Bible study or something or prayer meeting and. But that's not what you uh, offered. And you did, you you had some weekly stuff that people could come to, but uh, this was, uh, tell, tell me about the this intensive discipleship you did back when, when, when Mike was, that was more by invitation, wasn't it? Not You didn't just let anybody just drop in on that. Uh, tell, tell us you about know, that, because I think there's a lot of folks who are, who know we need more uh, discipleship than what we're offering now. And I, I've always been intrigued by that. Well, you've, you've developed your, your program much more since then, but uh, tell us just kind of what that involved. If, if Like for Mike, when he was invited in, how, how did that process work? What did you expect of people? Sure. You know, first of all, you can't mandate discipleship. Huh. You know, um, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, I think that's what it says in the New King James. And I love that translation. Yeah. And so it's really God's doing the work. We're just joining him in the work, which is I mean, I've learned that from you and your dad, hmm. you know, my entire Christian life. And that's very important very formative for me specifically. Um, and, and so when I come to this idea of what it means to disciple, I had to ask this question. Um, what does that really look like? Right. And I think my travels overseas made a big impact on me, especially in closed countries in Asia. Yeah. And tell us about where, that. You mentioned that in your book, you have, you have a great uh, book and, and a workbook on called go disciple, but you open right. with that story. Uh, tell us that story, because that was that was quite troubling, I know, to you, and it, it was even as I read it in your book. Right. So uh, it's amazing how God just brings a lot of things together sometimes all at one time. And God had been working in my life, and Heather and I, my wife, had been trying to figure out, what does it really look like to disciple someone? What does it look like to be a disciple? And so we had been on that, and we were in um, a huge city um, on the edge of Central Asia. Um, working with missionaries over there. And I went up to talk to this missionary um, coordinator and he said, Chad, I mean, he just looked me dead in the eye and said, we just need more guys over here. We got girls who want to come, young ladies, but we need more men because in that Islamic context, there's no cross-gender evangelization that goes on. Mm -hmm. Men have to reach men, women have to reach men, um, women have to reach women. And so he, I said, well, there's a seminary over there right next door to where our church is here in North Carolina. And I said, there's 2000 students over there. He said, yes, but 50% of the young men who desire to go on the mission field get turned down or turned away because of things going on in their life, such as pornography, insurmountable debt, bad relationships, things like that. Um, and up to 38% of the women, I think at that time. And I'm like, good grief. And 
it's like God spoke so clearly into my heart. This is not a call problem. This is not a willingness to go to difficult places problem. This is a discipleship problem. This is a problem of walking closely with the Lord. Yeah, and you and it's, and so, it's profound because these are people actually applying to be missionaries. Like these are not back row kind of people that just attend, you know, a couple Sundays a month. It, they were actually applying to be international missionaries. They were serious about serving God, and yet one out of two men that were applying were turned down because they had s- such a mess in their personal lives. Yep. And so you can only imagine exactly. people that aren't that serious about God, that are that are more exactly just right. casual attenders at church. I mean, what the percentage would be for them if uh, they actually were put under scrutiny uh, and and had their personal spiritual lives examined. That's right. That's exactly right. And so that's what was happening at that time. And so I immediately sensed in my heart, this is a discipleship problem is what this is. And so I'll never forget it. So I walk out the doors down the steps and there's like two huge granite blocks. I mean, it's so clear in my mind and my heart. And I looked out and it was a cobblestone street in the old part of the city. And there was nobody on that street. Hmm. And this city's got millions of people in it. It was just the weirdest moment hmm. in some ways. But it was a holy moment, and I, I sensed that in that moment. And so I walked out, and I said the oddest prayer. <laughs> I don't know if I'd ever prayed like this. It was, God, I'm going to do something about this. You just got to show me what to do. Huh. <clears throat> and so over the next 48 hours, as me and that small team of college students were headed back um, to the States, I said, I told them what was on my heart. I said, will you fast and pray? Let's fast and pray for what God is, is doing here. And um, they all sensed it. And um, it's amazing. All those people that are on that trip are still in ministry to this oh, day. Really? And God just gave me this clear vision of discipleship and and how it's a process. And, you know, we use Luke 9, 23. And Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so will we ever really follow Jesus if we're not willing to come to places of self-denial, right? Will we ever deny ourselves or or take up our cross and come to those places if we're not willing to deny ourselves and then take it back to God's continued movement? Will we ever come to a place of self-denial if God is not already working in our lives, drawing us to himself? And you you call that the miracle of desire in your materials. It's a miracle. Yep. Even that we desire to do that, to follow Jesus, is indications that God's at work in our life already. It, it, it takes all the pressure off of us, okay? And this yeah. goes back to Mike, specifically. So if God, if I believe that God is really doing the work, and I'm willing, I'm talking to someone about Jesus, and they're willing to listen, I already, I'll automatically assume God's drawing him. I already assume God's working, mm-hmm. right? And so it takes the pressure off me. It's not something I have to do. I just have to be available and and ready. Yeah. Right. And equipped. And, um, you know, it was the same way with Mike. It was, Hey, here's what I'm offering. If you're willing to go through this, you know, and we ask him to fast for 40 days from something, it's usually entertainment huh. for, be for that generation food for some people. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I mean, it's not like this is something that you can just, swim through very easily. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into some deep things and God's going to open your heart up. And, and so, and that's that miracle of desire. We offer it, we're prepared, we're available and God brings the people 
So I mean, just, just uh, I want to walk through the other parts, but uh, you know, one of the things I hear from a lot of church staff people is you just you can't ask very much of your people anymore. They're too busy. They 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 don't have the time. They won't make a commitment. You know, we offer some things and people don't come, but but just maybe just kind of give us the the sketch for like when when Mike was in, invited to participate. What did what did people like him have to do? What did you? Because I, I was right. impressed with uh, the commitment that you called for these people if they're going to be in this discipleship group. You, you weren't. Sure. It wasn't for wins. <laughs> no, I mean it, it was. And here's and this is what it's come to be over time. It's actually it sounds difficult on the front end because that's kind of our flesh showing us. But actually, it's a the discipleship process is process is a place of rest. Hmm. Right. It it's not about doing more. It's not about all that stuff. So here's what I challenged Mike and those guys in those early days. Huh. And to be honest with you, not much has changed. Huh. We've refined it more. Huh. But so we've got, we did the devotional 40 days of surrender, which is Andrew Murray's absolute surrender in a 40 day huh. devotional. Oh, that's great. Yeah, That's your morning devotional. As you're going through that 40 day devotional, we're just going to ask you to fast from something. We're not going to tell you. We're just going to, we're, we're asking, Hey, if you want to do this. And what, what would and the so, purpose of that be? You, you talk in your book about the importance of fasting, but, uh, but, but that's an interesting dimension there. Cause a lot of people just say, just come once a week to this, uh, this class at the church, but you, you, right off the bat, you said, I want you to fast from something. And so what would the purpose of that be? So as we're learning what it means to deny ourselves, what we're actually saying is we're learning to deny our flesh. Right. And we're learning to yield to the spirit. So I didn't make this up. It's just one of those things that God did. But so as we're learning about self-denial and we're listening to Murray teach us, right, we're also sensing that struggle in our flesh as we fast. And so I and I didn't expect the power of that. I mean, it's just one of those things God did. But over the years, it has been the crucial aspect Mm. of getting started with discipleship Mm. because they're sensing that struggle Mm. right and invariably they all fail unless they're a really good legalist right (laughs) well you you describe in the book how you you had at least one group that was really pushing back getting pretty grumpy about this yep this was a group after Mike when we had really started to define what was going on here. And this is going to be crazy, but I'm telling you, I've done this for 14 or 15 years now. And about the third or fourth week into this, everything comes to a head. It seems like during that time, everything comes. It's why are we fasting? And I'm like, I'm not making you fast at all. It's, I don't understand this, you know, and that's for me spiritually, that's the most difficult part of discipleship because I have to be very loving and very upfront with, listen, everything you're saying right now is your flesh talking. It's not the spirit of God in you. And it's that point. It's a breaking point, actually, that we see. Um, and we've seen it over and over. And I just went through, I had a group last week. It was their third week. And it was that week. When we ask, I ask the question, so why are you struggling with fasting? Mm-hmm. And I let them walk it back. I don't give them the answers. And it comes back to that their flesh is domineering, yeah. right? 
Yeah. And they're not really yielding to the spirit of God at work in them. Uh, and that whole idea of just deny yourself, take up your cross and then follow me. Uh, we, we know that that's what Jesus said, but, but you actually made them practice that you made them practice right. denying them their self. And, uh, it's, yep. we, we hear those words, but we don't actually want to do it. And you even just, right. what time, um, when you uh, when you met with Mike, I know at the time itself doesn't really matter, but you you had a lot of seminary students, I think, in that group. And uh, what so what time would you meet yep. with them each week? We meet at like six or six thirty in the morning. Uh, so that's and, a denying yourself too, right there as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was and it was difficult for them, right? Um, but one, it, you know, I, I love discipline but only to a point where it helps guard, right? Our walk with the Lord. Mm. Like I have this one's like, I want to get up in the morning and spend time with God. And that discipline has got a purpose for it. Um, and so we always want to ask what's the heart of the issue. What's motivating me right yeah. to do that. And so at that time it was one, everybody could be together, <laughs> but two, it was a discipline, you know, cause they were fasting. A lot of them were fasting from TV entertainment and so wow so you know and this was when everything's coming online and everything's tailored to you and you can get your netflix now it's even worse yeah in some ways and you what would you do uh, how long would you meet Would that was that an hour that you met i would try to keep it at an hour and yeah. I, I i got used to asking open-ended questions with no quick answer and i got used to awkward silence yeah because they needed time to process. Yeah. Right. And I think we if, if our listeners hear you today and they say, boy, I, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try what Chad does. Don't, I mean, don't think it's going to just be real smooth. Uh, <laughs> right. Especially in the beginning. You're, people aren't gonna, are not right. going to be used to you asking so much of them. You know, and, and here's what's the cool thing. If someone does go through that process and they say, and it's better to go through it with a group of people or with somebody that can help guide you and ask questions, you know, and that's why we did the videos. Cause the number one thing I was getting asked was where are your notes? That's where the workbook came from oh, okay. and the videos. So we could expand kind of that reach. Um, but once you go through that fasting, it's amazing. God does this work in your life. And I've had a number of people go through it and go through the fasting aspect of it and then get past that and then come back three or four months later and they're like, man, I need to fast. I'm watching way too much TV. Huh. And it's like God kind of resets their spirit hmm. in a way. And how, and how, and many, how many weeks would you meet? About eight, eight or nine, eight or nine. would be usually up. And you, and, and you, you referred to it, but, but now you've got a, a great workbook. Uh, I don't know if you had, you, I don't think you had that when Mike was doing it, nope. you were still teaching it, but now there's a great workbook. There's a book that, that kind of walks you through the, all the material. There's a, the 40 day devotional based on Andrew Murray's, right. uh, absolute surrender. Uh, and you, 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 you mentioned a number of things. Just wanted to highlight one or two other things. Uh, before our time runs out here, you mentioned um, the nevertheless, uh, mm -hmm. the power of nevertheless. Tell, unpack that for us a little bit, because uh, I, I thought sure. that was real powerful. Yeah, that's um, I think if I was to say what's one word that is the key to this whole deal. Yeah. What we do is the word nevertheless. Yeah. And and so we ask in the beginning, OK, so when we talk about self-denial and taking up your cross and following me, if that's true, then we must see it in Jesus's life. 
And so we asked this question, so where did Jesus deny himself? And you get all kinds of great answers. Um, I love it when somebody comes up with the incarnation, huh. right? Oh, uh, yeah. And he became a, became born of a himself. woman, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. And, um, and so we talked through it and I go, I take a lot of time. I take a whole day usually going through the temptation of Jesus, hmm. right? Where Satan quotes scripture mm-hmm. accurately, but misuses it, its interpretation. Yeah. Right. And it's application. And we talk about that. But the ultimate place of self-denial we see is in the garden. Yeah. Right. And where Jesus prayed three times and, you know, three times in the Hebrew mind, that was the end of the thing. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he prayed three times, but he had this one small little, it's the smallest Greek word. It's the word plana. And it just means something greater or it's translated nevertheless. Hmm. And so. I ask pastors this question a lot, and it trips them up. Did Jesus have a will of his own? As I get into that, mm-hmm. and they're like, some will say, you know, you know they all get nervous, and um, <laughs> it's kind of amusing. But I was like, look at the passage. Yeah, Jesus says, "Not my will, but your will be done." Mm-hmm. Right. So, how else could he be tempted in all points as we are yet without sin? Yeah. If he didn't come to the very end of temptation. Yeah. Right. He and definitely so, had a preference. Um, he, he he had his preferences yeah. in and how he wanted to serve his father. Hey, if I, I'm asking if there's any other way, yeah. and that's Jesus asking that, yeah. he is asking for another way. Yeah. Right. But that one word is the key to the Christian life, I think. Yeah. And it's the word nevertheless, and it means something more. So it's not, it's not, it's I can say this honestly. I I have a will of my own, but Lord, your will above mine. Yeah. I'm not even saying my will is a bad thing necessarily, or it's something terribly evil, but I've just, maybe I've got a, another way I think it should happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and God's fine with that. And, and we so need to, we, need to we come to that, God and we say, Lord, we need to use that word. Nevertheless, in our praying, it's, it's fine to, yes. to pray and ask God to do what you think you, he ought to do. But then you need to say, but nevertheless, if you've got a better yeah, way. That's exactly right. Um, especially for me personally, I've got five sons. So praying for them, mm -hmm. you know, I've got, I've got what I think should happen. Yeah. I'm pretty clear on it. We want to make sure God knows what that is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But even with them, it's like, but Lord, you know, yeah, not my will, but your will be done. And so nevertheless is the gateway to freedom in Christ. Wow. That's a great, that's a great word. Now you, you're, you were a runner and you tell uh, a, a story about missing a baton yeah. one time, but um, but you, I, I like that the idea of staying in your lane. And you describe you kind of yeah. use that running analogy. But what does that mean? Got you? It was, it was interesting when you said God has a lane for you, uh, and right. we, I don't think we always think of it that way in our Christian walk. But uh, but unpack that for us. Right. I think this is one of the beauties and it's God's plan is so incredible. He, he creates each one of us and we are created very specifically, hmm. right? No matter what our culture and pseudoscience tries to tell us, we're all unique and there's no denying that. Well, just like in that we are made uniquely, God also has a unique purpose for my life, hmm. right? And it's not like your life. Um, it's, it's where he wants me to run. It's around the family that I have or the vocation he's got me in, whether it be, 
you know, on the stock exchange or a manufacturing facility, whatever. He, he's got a place for me to run that's mine that mm-hmm. he wants to lead me into. And he wants to, for me to, by faith, step out and run in that lane. And, and we're not running against people, right? Yeah. We're running against time. Hmm. We're running against what we've been allotted in this life. Huh. And, and, and the cool thing about it is, is Jesus puts us in that race and he's at the finish line and then he's running with us. Huh. And so it really speaks to our walk with God and the intimacy as we go through life, yeah. you know, and I like and the we, idea of the imagery of just, you don't, if you, you get in trouble when you get out of your lane. Yep. That's exactly right. When we get out of our lane, things become work. They become hard. Hmm. They become frustrating. And for me, man, I am, I'm, I'm a scatterbrained. I'm a big picture type guy. Like I can chase rabbits all day long, right? <laughs> and I enjoy it, right? <laughs> if you were to look at my book library, you'd be like, man, this guy's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> He's all over the map here. But but there's a place that he wants Chad to run, yeah, right? There's yeah. a call on my life, and we all have that call. And, and no you're matter not what called you to run someone else and in someone else's lane. Nope. And, and even if their lane nope. looks more attractive than your lane, uh, that's not yep. your lane. And he, he, here's my relationship to the other lane. I'm there to encourage. Hmm. I'm there to remind them to look at the finish line. Yeah. I'm keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah. And that's my relationship to your lane. Hey, here to encourage, you know, equip whatever we can do to help you run your race and mm. run your line. And I think that's what discipleship is. Yeah. It's and, helping someone run their race. And, you know, I, I'm doing some writing and, and work on discipleship uh, myself right now. And I, and my, my definition of what a disciple is, is they are someone who follows Jesus and you, yeah. you, you nail the same thing. It's, uh, it's not simply about what you learn. It's not, I'm a disciple because I go to a discipleship class at my church once a, a week. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. If you're not following him, you're whatever else you're doing, you're not a disciple. You might be a church attender, but that doesn't right. make you a you're not a disciple unless you're following Jesus. And and but but I would say a lot of people who've been in church all their life have never been told that. They they honestly right. feel if they show up at their Sunday school class and stay for worship that they're a disciple. Of course they are, and they be- right. or they believe in Jesus, so they must be a disciple. Uh, but a disciple is a lot more than claiming to believe in Jesus or having prayed the sinner's right. prayer at some point in your life. Uh, un- unpack that for us, uh, because I... You know, when I talk about discipleship is following Jesus, um, there's a lot of people that look at you funny, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. yeah, and there have been times where I've thought, am I crazy and just missing it? Because nobody <laughs> seems to be getting what I'm saying here. But, you know, when we say I'm a follower of Jesus, that means, you know, and it's the Great Commission, teaching him to obey all things I've commanded, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the age, right? Yeah. But if if I'm really following Jesus, will will that mean that I have the heart of Jesus as well? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if I've got the heart of Jesus as well, it's 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 about others. Hmm. Right? Hmm. It's I mean, if you're really following, God will give you a burden for other people, right? Yeah. To raise those up. And I, I there's one guy at our church, and I love this guy, he's an older guy, but he goes down and he 
reads Bible stories to the four and five year olds every Sunday. Huh. And, and God so burdened him with the next generation that that's a way God wants to use him to help pour into the life. And so I, my fear is, is that in, in most churches, and this is my statistic, you know, Barna didn't come out with this. Uh-huh. This is me over 15 years. When I can look at a pastor with 96% um, probability and say, you don't have a plan for discipling people in your church. And I would be right. Yeah. 96%. And 96%. Yeah. It's actually a little bigger than that on well, from what we've got. And so what you're saying is that we've not walked with our pastors either. Yeah. And discipled them. And they're our chief disciplers. Well, they, they can't give what they don't have. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so when I'll, I'll get these guys when they're 25 and hungry or they're 45 and they're tired of beating their head against the wall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not difficult. It's, it's just simply saying, I'm going to build a culture where we walk with people. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm going to equip you to do that. And I'm going to show you how to do it. And it's not as hard as you think it is. You just have to be available and be willing to learn. Hmm. And if a guy or a woman is like that, man, God can use them so greatly yeah. in their local community. Well, and I tell you, it's, uh, we, we have lulled ourselves into thinking as long as we have Sunday school on Sunday mornings or something, we are making disciples. And, uh, right. and we've got all kinds of people who faithfully come to Sunday school every week, and they, they don't know the Bible. And if you were to ask uh, someone, well, where is Jesus leading you right now? What is he leading you to do? To go read the Bible to four-year-olds or go help the, the homeless or uh, single moms? They would look at you funny, like, what do you mean? Where is he leading me? And, I, and you'd have to say, well, if discipleship is following Jesus, I'm assuming he's leading you somewhere to do something, to minister to someone. Uh, and they'd look at you funny. It's why I, I attend a class once a week. Uh, right. But that's not really discipleship. You, they don't even have a framework for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like there's not even a spiritual framework built in. And if I look at Jesus, he was very diligent and he was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so that's why our heart and that's why we're in this in the first place is because we want to help the leaders who man get it. They're like, dude, I need some help. Yeah. Hey, man, we're here for you and we're going to walk you through this. But that's not the end of it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you just go through Go Disciple and that's the end of it, that's a failure for us. Huh. Yeah. Because true disciples have a heart to make disciples. Yeah. And, and so, and I asked this question the other day to a pastor, um, I'm working with a pastor in North Dakota. He's wanting to plant seven churches along that I-94 corridor. This guy is like, yeah, he's just going for it, man. And trying to figure it out and just trust God. And so he's going through this process and we're having this same conversation. I said, okay, so tell me why there are over 500 churches in Georgia with no Baptist churches with no pastor and can't find one. Hmm. And we're having to about to have a big retirement, yeah, bubble bust, yeah. And so, what what's the problem here? Undoubtedly, the way we've been doing it, it pro, it's not working, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, we've really got to be humble and ask ourselves, okay, Lord, where do you want us to go from here? Hmm. What do we need here? So, you know, it's I you 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 touched on that just the Matthew uh, twenty eight eighteen to twenty. Uh, but the, that last verse is one of our favorites. It says, And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
and we, we love that promise. We, we love that truth. Of course, if we have the Holy Spirit within us, he's always with us. But, but that verse is spoken in the context of making disciples. That's right. Jesus, the, one of the greatest uh, uh, encouraging verses that he ever gave us, he gave us because he, after commanding us to go and make disciples, and he said, as you're going and making disciples, I will be with you That's always. Right. We, we like to think, well, no, I'm sitting in my living room watching TV and Jesus will be with me always. Well, he is, right. but that promise was actually given to disciple makers. And as you yep. go and make disciples, as hard as it may seem, Jesus said, and you will have a special dose of my presence. You'll be very aware that I'm with you in that room because stuff will happen as you seriously seek to make disciples that don't happen right. otherwise. But Chad, you, you, you've been uh, touching on this, but you have a ministry. You were on staff at a church. Uh, you had five sons to feed, so you, you had a, a full-time employment uh, but you were so passionate about making disciples that you started Go Disciple. Tell us a little bit about, and, and you know, I, we, obviously we're not trying to just trash out all, all other churches and saying none of them know how to make disciples, but, but there are a lot of churches that they have not really given any serious consideration of that for a long time. They just keep doing the, the programs that they've always done, regardless of how fruitful or effective they are. Uh, and right. that, that's all they know to do. And so, like so many ministries, you know, our ministry is the same way. We're a we're a, a, a nonprofit that that comes alongside churches and helps them with various things. And you've done that specifically in the area of, of discipleship, and kind of like Promise Keepers used to be. You know, it it just it was trying to help churches know how to minister to men because sure. most churches didn't have any men's programs and they needed help. Uh, and you've done that for discipleship. And so if maybe one of our listeners uh, is listening today and saying, you know, I'd love, I mean, how would I get a Chad to, to help me with my people and, and my discipling? You've set up your whole ministry is based on coming alongside churches and pastors and leaders to do that very thing, haven't you? That's right. That's yeah, it. And, you know, I had to ask this question. Was I called to a church or the church? Right. Mm. And now I believe I should still be involved in my local church, right? I'm not yeah. saying that, or, yeah. but what I'm saying is, is we minister. I had to ask that question. Yeah. And, you know, there was a very distinct time as I was praying through that process. I prayed for four months, Heather and I both prayed huh. before we ever made a decision. Um, when we felt like God was leading that and opening some doors. And so there was a distinct moment where I felt like I was having that dream Paul did of the Macedonian call hmm. of, Hey, come over here and help us. Huh. And I couldn't do both of those things because uh -huh. the go disciple side was growing. Plus I was, you know, leader in my church and pastoring there as well. And so I just had to make that step of faith and, um, and it was a step of faith and, you know, anything that you do, you'll be tested in that yeah. thing. And I think, you know, we're tested pretty often. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but when you work with a guy or work with a, a leadership team and small group of men, women, and you see God really open their eyes hmm. and really awaken them to the fact that there's so much more that God wants to do than what's happening right now with them and with their local church. That's, that's when you're like, okay, Lord, 
let's keep going. Let's see where this goes. And I had a pastor in Utah one time. He said, we were about six weeks into this thing. And he was like, Chad, people are coming up to me and asking me what's, what's wrong with me. And I was like, Oh man, what's it? What are you talking? I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, because they say my preaching is so different hmm. Hmm. and there's so much more power in it. Right. And that has everything to do with that guy having a closer walk with Jesus. Yeah. So if a, if a listener here is a pastor in rural Georgia somewhere and they say, well, how would I get Chad's material? I'd love to be able to teach my folks the stuff he's worked on all these years. How would I do that? What would they, what would they do? Sure. Well, luckily we have Amazon, which you can buy anything. <laughs> on Amazon. So all that materials on the go disciple workbook and the go disciple book. And you can just look up Chad and it'll give you the whole list of, mm-hmm of all that stuff in there. But we also have our godisciple.org website um, that has the videos where you can get the videos for that. And so, and that's got our contact information and um, I'm easy to get in touch with. So yeah. I'm just chadhood at me.com. Huh. That's great. So, so well, and I know some pastors that they know in their heart that uh, there's, there should be more, uh, They've got some well-intentioned, faithful folks who come every week, but they're they're not they're not have never really gone that deep. And uh, and this is some great stuff. And like I shared at the outset, this is not for wimps. You uh, you push them to go deep into God's word and into uh, practice denying self. Um, and, uh, and you've had some great success. And of course, I as I said at the outset, uh, my oldest son, who's a now has a PhD in apologetics and is a church planter in Canada, was discipled by Chad. And so I've, I've seen the fruit of his work and uh, his teaching, and I, I know it works. I know it's, uh, it's, it's powerful. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate just having a chance to have Chad on today. And, uh, and that's discipleship is just an area that I've really been giving a lot of focus on of late, a, a lot of thought, speaking quite a bit on it of late. And uh, when people ask me, you know, where can I get some good discipleship material, uh, this is a great place. I'm happy to steer people here to Chad's material. And so uh, check it out if you uh, are looking for just even a, you know, a Bible study. Or, uh, as you want to take a bunch of your leaders through, uh, this is, there's great material here. Uh, it's only eight or so weeks. It's a great workbook. Um, and this 40-day uh, devotional guide with, you know, Andrew Murray is awesome and you can get them into Andrew Murray for 40 days uh, and interacting with him. Uh, that's a powerful thing. And so, uh, Chad, thanks for being with us. And um, I encourage our listeners, check him out. Go to, go to his site uh, and uh, take your people to a deeper place. That's right. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I um, love you guys and thankful for all you've done as well. Well, thanks, Chad. Praying God uses you mightily in the days to come. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.